Hello, everyone, and welcome to the pilot episode of Calling an Audible, a podcast here recorded at UMC. My name is uh, Zach Greenberg, and I play football here at UMC. And my co-host, Greg Johnson, is a baseball player at UMC. Greg, how goes it today? It's going. It's just another typical day in UMC, enjoying the bipolar weather we have here. Here on Calling an Audible, we're going to take a look at sports from a local, regional, and national point of view. And to kick us off today, we have uh, big news out of football uh, with the announcement of the Alliance of American Football, which is following the announcement of the the rebirth of the XFL uh, by Vince McMahon. So the Alliance of American Football is a league that is going to be started by Charlie Ebersol, who is the director of the 30 for 30 on the XFL when it was happening in the early 2000s. Uh, the Alliance of American Football will start uh, directly following the Super Bowl in 2019, uh, one week later. What makes the, the Alliance of American Football different is that there won't be any kickoffs. The drives will start at the 25-yard line. Uh, there won't be any TV timeouts. There will be eight teams uh, with 50 players on each roster. Uh, as well, also to go along with the kickoffs, we there won't be any onside kicks towards the end of the game, where the losing team will in turn start fourth and ten on their own 35, and if they if they convert the fourth and ten, then they'll be able to continue their drive. If not, then the other team will get the ball back. Greg, what do you think about this new league? Why? My first question that comes to mind is why are they doing this? You already have the NFL. I don't think you're going to really get anything more popular than the NFL. Maybe on the 1% chance that this will actually happen. But what's the point? You already have the XFL coming in at 2020, right? Right. So now you're having a third football league with two-hand touch rules, basically. No, you have fourth and ten on, you know, all that stuff you just said. But why? Why do we need a third football league? It almost does feel like it will make football a little oversaturated, but... I think that the fact that the the AAF and the XFL will both be spring and summer leagues will will make them successful because there's a demand for football uh, during the off season and there's several NFL fans that that have a hunger for football when there isn't anything going on other than combine stuff and free agency. And uh, I think adding the XFL and the Alliance of American Football even will, uh, I guess, bring about more, more of a competitive nature with football because the NFL currently has a monopoly over football and can definitely be more of a competitive industry with these two additions. So we're going to have the XFL and the AAF going in spring and summer. How's that going to compete with NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, and once we get into the beginning of opening day for baseball for the MLB, I don't think the ratings are going to be there. Because we're going to have, yeah, you'll have your some diehard football fans out there, but if you think about it, I don't think there's going to be enough attention to these leagues. Maybe the first couple weeks to see what it's all about, but if you're not going to have high-caliber names, because Johnny Manziel is playing what in the Canadian Football League as of right now, that's where he wants to go? He hasn't signed with anybody officially yet, but he was in contract negotiations with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. But he did also uh, throw at a pro day yesterday. Yeah, I saw that yesterday, too. So. I don't think he'll be going anywhere. But again, 
the XFL and the Amer Alliance of American Football, they're not going to have the star caliber name recognition players that the NFL already does have. So honestly, I just maybe two, uh, maybe the two leagues with the XFL and the NFL would have been fine. But adding this third one, that's just one too many, obviously, in my opinion. I don't see how this is going to work, and my opinion folds by 2025. Folds. Like these leagues are going to be done by 2025. So you don't think sooner. the fact that they are going at a different time of year than the NFL will? Well, yeah, that'll the interest. That will obviously that's good for them right off the gate. Maybe if they do catch traction, they can possibly move into the winter time as the NFL is. But no, it's you have too many other sports that way too many people watch because the NFL has been slipping. Sure, maybe those fans that don't watch the NFL anymore will watch the XFL and the AAF, but there's way more people that watch the MLB during summer. They also watch NHL and NBA playoffs, like I've said. So it's the market's not there for them. That's, that's right, my you point. Have, you have a lot of football fans that go to the NBA, they go to the NHL and the MLB because there's no football going on. So the NFL's ratings are low, low as of, as of late as it is. But having these two leagues come back, it will it will definitely lower the ratings for the NHL, NBA, and MLB. I think because you, you don't think chance. so? Not a chance. No, I think it will nope. because they're like, for example, myself. I'm a huge NFL fan over any other sport, football fan in general, and I. During the offseason, I watch NBA, I watch NHL, and I watch MLB. But if there's a football game on at the same time as an NBA game on, I'm going to be watching the football game, no matter if it's NFL, XFL, or AAF. So, you know what? That's my take on it. I hope they prove me wrong then, if that's the case. I, it'd be great to see them succeed. I honestly think the NFL is only going to go down from here. They have a lot of steps to take to recover from where they were. Yeah, there's a lot of controversy with the NFL right now, and I think that's part of the reason why Vince McMahon is taking this opportunity of trying to reboot the XFL, and I think he's going to succeed because you see how good the WWE is doing, and they, they were in a rough spell for a while as well. Yeah, then The Rock came back, now Ronda Rousey. And yeah, Ronda Rousey's there. Supposedly Rob Gronkowski, they're trying to get him yeah, to they, retire. Yeah, they, they like getting uh, celebrities, and I'm sure that that would be incorporated with the XFL as but well. But again, that's what I'm getting at, the star power, the name rec the name with the people that everyone knows. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's just they're going to have no-name guys and no disrespect to any of the people that are going to play in these leagues. Well, they're still going to be getting Division One college athletes. Right, so no disrespect. They're yeah. good players. It's just no, they're, not, they're, they're not, nobodies. They're no not one the knows top them. 300 that are going to the NFL draft. Exactly. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> Local news out of the Crookston Times, we have sports depends on the fans, not the other way around. I found this as an interesting article. Because it just kind of highlights that the sports depends on the fans going to the games. And maybe some No, it doesn't. You disagree. Ooh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Why? I don't... It depends on what level you're talking about. I think that sports would happen regardless of whether there was fans or not. Because sports have been happen happening for thousands of years. Going back to the original Olympics way back when. And... You know, there wasn't, there isn't always a bundle of fans at every sporting event you go to. Like, for example, with UMC football, we get a, we get a good turnout for homecoming and for senior day and probably opening day. But other than that, fan turnout has been pretty low over the years. Why do you think that is? 
it's it's for sure partly due to the success of the team, but at the same time, like community involvement with the school, I think needs a lot of improvement. Uh, there's not very many that I can think of off the top of my head events where that incorporates the community with the campus. There are a few a year, but I'd, I'd like to see more. And any events that incorporate the community are usually here on campus and doesn't really involve students going off campus to go out in the community. Um, I just think that going back to, to sports relying on fans, I think that the, the sports, like we go out there and play no matter how many fans are out there. And I, that's especially true at a collegiate level and at uh, a Pop Warner level, uh, community club level, and a youth level. Because, Maybe at your local YMCA too, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And at a professional level, your first sports for sure relies on the fans because the fans are there for ticket sales, merchandise purchases, and whatnot that the team needs to to function and. Yeah, exactly. That's the my team take on it. the team depends on the fans to function at a professional you, level. I respectfully, completely disagree with you, and that's okay. Because quoting the article, without fans, there would be no sports. It does not matter which city, state, or country. The very existence of sports relies on the willingness of fans to watch the events, but not all fan bases are created equal. Much of it depends on the size of the contingent, the quality with which the team plays and the impact sports leaves on citizens. So yes, you're right about maybe the performance of the team would impact the fans going to the game or not. So yeah, if the fans, so if the team is performing at a high level, you're going to get your fair weather fans that usually stay home and watch it. They will go to the games, whether this be at a professional level, professional level, collegiate, or lower. But think about how many traditions can you name off the top of your head about fan events at games? Several. You got the Steelers with the terrible towels. Mm-hmm. You can go, oh, the list goes on and on. Yep. It's Fans definitely have an influence on sport, especially at the professional level. I would agree with you that sports do depend on fans at a professional level, but at levels lower than that, maybe even at the Division One collegiate level as well. I might even give you that. But anything lower than that, Division Two, Division Three, uh, high school, I don't – I. Don't think you don't think fans are important? Fan. I okay. think they're important, but I don't think the sport being played depends on the fans being there. Okay. Well, that's your opinion. But my opinion, because at some point, trends start from the very bottom and they go all the way to the top. Yeah, there's probably a lot of traditions in high school and they go up the ladder, like you said, colleges, because the Badgers fan over at Wisconsin do jump around, you know. And there's, there's a whole bunch of traditions out there that college players do. I remember Texas A&M game for baseball. During, during the game, if a pitcher throws five, maybe seven balls in a row, the, fa- the, the fans in the crowd will start chanting, like, ball five, ball five, and they'll go on to, like, ball six, ball six, <laughs> until the pitcher throws a strike. And then they'll applaud that pitcher, and it's usually the way pitcher. And it's just, it rattles players. Oh, for sure. But you also got to think, there are so many athletes out there that talk about the intensity of the crowd is what got them going. Because how many times did these Minnesota Vikings players say how crazy that skull chant got during the game? And it's just like that reinvigorated the team and helped them drive down the field and get that field goal or get the touchdown. 
We all know Stefan Diggs' miracle Minneapolis catch. <laughs> Even Joe Buck went crazy on that Don't one. Don't remind me. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I mean, yes, this is, at, this is at a professional level, but again, fans make the sport. Yeah, the athletes go out there and play, but it's not it's not memorable you don't take anything away with it from it or you, anything at all if there's no one there watching and creating all these memories for people cuz what brings players back what brings fans back to the game other than just good performances experience, experience yes exactly i rest my case so in other news UND hockey fails to make the tournament the frozen four they will not be in it but they did win it back in 2016 so my opinion, this is good they didn't make it. Why is it good? Because it's the fall of another dynasty. Ah, so you're saying this is a Gophers fan that this is good. No, no, Bulldogs all the way. I'm <laughs> not a huge fan of the Gophers. My brother went to UMD, so I am biased with the Bulldogs. Granted, they did go to the championship last year, but lost to Denver. Sad. But, again, it's... Keyword lost. Yeah, well, can't win every game. I think it's this is uh, this is kind of relevant because this is the first time since 2002 that the University of North Dakota hasn't made the Frozen Four tournament. So that's 16 years that they've been making the tournament. And also, you can tag on with that, the University of Minnesota, they have the most appearances all time in the tournament with 37. You can thank Herb Brooks for that one. Right. And... This is also historically relevant because this is the first time since 1978 that the Frozen Four tournament has been without both UND and Minnesota. So that's a long time without two major schools. Exactly. Fresh blood is finally getting in the tournament, which is a good thing because now you have different schools with different players competing, and now they're going, they're going places, and you just see these staple names that are always in the tournament. Now they're no longer appearing. That's... To me, that means the talent's getting either more spread out, thinner, and they're all going to different schools, or that could be because coaching and everything else in its aspect is getting lower and other teams are competing better. Maybe it's a team-first aspect over the ego, player-first mentality. That could be one or the other. So do you think... Do you think this is only true of hockey? Like, why don't we see this in, like, men's basketball, for example, at the collegiate level? Like, you have teams like Michigan State, Duke, Kentucky, which are perennial powerhouses that never miss the tournament. And then you go and look at the Frozen Four in hockey, where you have perennial powerhouses who are missing the tournament. What do you think about that? It all goes back to how does the coach run the team? If you think about it, Coach... K from Duke, I'm pretty sure, yeah, that dude gets a lot of, you know, top 50 overall recruits from the AAU system or high school or wherever he finds them. But to me, I feel like how he transfers his thoughts on the game to his players, how he gets them to have a team first mentality. Maybe I truly don't know how he coaches his team. I'm not there. I'm not one of those guys. But from what I can tell, he has these players buying into a system he has them believing that this is what your ultimate goal is I don't want any individual goals I don't want any aspects from your own personal life I don't care about that this is basketball for the team for the school for the name on your front of the jersey not the one on your back so my opinion at the end of the day for this is 
it's working towards the ultimate goal. How this relates with hockey, again, maybe the coach is recruiting players that are the box score fillers out of high school, and they're all about themselves. Telling them they're like a once they're like a second birth not of Jesus. Maybe they're, yeah, they're they're not team guys. They're just out for themselves so trying to make it. So how do you think that relates to the Gophers head coach uh, stepping down? Well, let's put it this way: the Gophers had thirteen NHL draft selections on that roster, and they had what they finished fifth in the Big Ten Hockey Conference. They got swept four games by Penn State to end the season. What do you think that guy's been doing? He's got 13 NHL prospects on that roster. They didn't make the playoffs. I think uh, in that specific situation, that's uh, age catching up to you. You think so? Yeah. So you think he's it, just it been catches in, up to you? It's it, he's been in the system too long for 19 years. Well, his system could definitely be outdated. Could uh, be it, more modern NHL. But there's more. There's definitely more modern uh, systems that are in place nowadays. That if he's been using the same system for the past 20 years, it's going to be outdated compared to what new young hockey coaches are coming up with. Yep, for sure. I mean, last time the Gophers won the championship was they had a back-to-back in 2002 and 2003, but they lost. I'm pretty sure in 2014. They haven't won since. Yeah, they haven't won since. They've Five of the past, out of the past 10 years, they've only made the playoffs five times. Right, so it's time for a change, and I think he did the right thing in stepping down. Yeah, and they lost to Union 7-4 to four in the championship game in 2014. Right, a loss is a loss, though. They might as well yeah. not have made the playoffs that year either. I mean, second place, but yeah, I suppose you don't see yourself as second not first, place. you're last. Yep, if you have that mentality. But interesting keynote out of the St. Cloud Times. St. Cloud State hockey coach Bob Motzko is rumored to actually take the job. When he is asked by the newspaper, he declined to comment as he is still under contract with St. Cloud until 2021. But do you actually see hockey coaches like that jumping ship from a smaller state college to the U? If the money's there. If the money's there. If the money's there well, and, and he's able to be released from his contract at St. Cloud, then I don't see why he wouldn't do it. But... Moving on, uh, some news out of the NBA. We have the Cleveland Cavaliers head coach Tyron Lue taking a leave of absence from the Cavs uh, due to an illness, quote-unquote. <laughs> uh, star player LeBron James uh, was quoted saying that it was like losing one of your best players. Now, for me, this, this kind of statement is a little... Uh, I don't think he means that because... I think LeBron is, in reality, the head coach of the that's Cleveland a, Cavaliers. That's a business response by LeBron. It's, it's, a biz, it's, it's exactly what it is. It's a business response. And I honestly don't even think he's not only the head coach, but he's the general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers. He <laughs> dictates what goes on. He's the best player in the world, and he's the best player of all time. So what LeBron wants, LeBron gets. And it was a couple of days before Tyron Lue announced his leave of absence you could see LeBron and Tyron Lue arguing on the bench. So if you, you know, if you're adding things up, it seems that uh, Tyron Lue might be on the outs in Cleveland, and that's, uh, that's due to LeBron wanting it that way. LeBron James gets what he wants, and it's always been that way because he's the best player in the world. And this is what leads me to believe that he's not going to leave Cleveland at this offseason. 
I think that he's going to stay there. They're going to pick up some some more key pieces, and who knows, they could make a run at the finals this year. LeBron's been in the last eight NBA finals. So, uh, like I said, what LeBron wants, LeBron, LeBron gets. Correct. LeBron wanted Dwayne Wade, so Dwayne Wade came over. LeBron, then Dwayne Wade left. So you think LeBron is basically Jackie Moon, star player, coach, and more or less owner of the team? I was, he's not the owner because well, he, he doesn't. He acts like it. He goes up to Dan Gilbert and says, I want Tristan Thompson to get a max contract, even though he's a subpar below average power forward. Right. I mean, look at what, you, like you said, LeBron gets what he wants, but everything he wanted, they had that huge trade deadline. They traded away. They traded away half their team. Yeah, I know. Half their team, Zach. Half their team is gone. Replaced because with Because that's what LeBron wanted. Why did he want all those players in the first because place? Because he didn't get along. Line. He didn't get along with Isaiah Thomas, and they needed younger players on their team so they could try and make a run at this final. Because they were not getting along. They weren't a cohesive unit. They weren't a team. Because they were both individuals. Wanted, because both wanted the ball at the same time. Right, Isaiah Thomas, and deservedly so. Isaiah Thomas is a hell of a player, but he's uh, yeah. What he not did at LeBron Boston James. is unreal. Honestly. He's not LeBron James, and he never will be. No so, one will ever. So be everyone LeBron should James. defer to LeBron James, no matter what he says, because he's the goat of basketball. He is the goat of basketball. Michael Jordan is the goat of basketball. We don't need to get into this argument because it's because you're going to lose, true. right? No, yeah. but. I don't know. A lot of people say that LeBron is going to go elsewhere this offseason. Yeah, to Dude, Houston. Wh- why would he go to Houston? He's got Chris Paul there. He's got But James he doesn't Harden. have Chris Paul there. Chris Paul's about to be a free agent. Oh, they're going to give him a max. Like, if they Chris want LeBron, Paul, they can't give him a max. Yes, they can. No, they can't. Chris Paul is probably one of the most loyal players in the NBA. The only For, reason he's ever been traded is because the team – couldn't build around him, so they just traded him for future assets. And now they're now he's a secondary player to James Harden. But the dude's still putting up all star numbers, granted he is, he's been hurt. He is. But regardless of that fact, the Rockets only have eighty million dollars in cap space. They don't have enough money to re sign Chris Paul to a max contract and LeBron to a max contract. LeBron's due to make thirty five point six million dollars a year on his next contract. And for if they want LeBron, they can't possibly re-sign any bench players yeah, and re-sign Chris Paul. Well, Golden State made it work with Kevin Durant. Why can't Houston they do it They traded their whole bench. Most of their bench, not their whole bench. They still they have traded, Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala. Uh, Andre Iguodala was a starter before Kevin Durant was there. But yeah, now he's perfectly happy being a They traded everybody except for Sean Livingston, who's been on, which is surprising they didn't trade him because he's been on like nine teams already. But for the for the Rockets to get now now I'll, I will admit the Rockets general manager has done some crazy stuff to get what he wants. But for them to be even able to sign LeBron, they would have to trade Ryan Anderson, PJ Tucker, Nene, Chinanu Onuaku, all of them without taking back any salary at all. They'd have to trade away all of their their contracts. And then, on top of that, if they wanted to re-sign Chris Paul, they would have $47 million left of cap space. And they would have to, the only way they could really do it is to divide that between Paul and James. Which means, if you were to give LeBron the, 30, the $36 million, let's say, that 
he that he's projected to get, then you would only have eleven million left for Chris Paul, which is way less than he deserves. There's more than one way to skin a cat, Zach. There is. Obviously, yeah, option number one would be trading all those guys to create the cap space, which they won't do because they need a bench. Every it's been shown that you need you, you need, need more than players. just your starters. You need a depth bench. Yeah. Which is a problem that Timberwolves don't have, but again, that's just a story for another day. But option two, they could trade Eric Gordon or Clint Capella. Both I don't think they should do because Clint Capella is basically their third option right now. Whether Chris Paul or James Harden dribble penetrates into the paint and just kicks out for an easy dunk for Clint. That's getting rid of two starters, yep. though. And Eric Gordon, who's your spot-up three like Clay Thompson is in Golden State. I mean, both those guys are very Valuable the to the Rockets. They can't give them up if they want to succeed. Well, no, they can't. Clint Capella is a, arguably a top three center right now in the NBA. And he's due to get paid, too, which, yeah, it will make matters harder for Houston. But, again, they could also do a sign-in trade for James. like Because Houston has bird rights on Chris Paul, meaning they can sign him to a contract and go above the salary cap. So what they'd have to do is sign-in trade for James first and then get the extension for Paul afterwards so the numbers would work out. But... There's more than one way they can go about this. It just it's seems just like a lot of work for both to have the Cavaliers even and the Rockets to try and get LeBron there. Whereas Los Angeles has space for two max contracts. And LeBron James, his kids have been in school in L.A. before. He has property in L.A. L.A. would be a good fit for LeBron. And there's rumors that Paul George, who's from L.A., wants to go home and play for the Lakers. So you can imagine another super team in L.A. with LeBron, Lonzo Ball, and Paul George. You're forgetting one key name there. Who? LeVar Ball. No. <laughs> yes. You're not going to – he's a huge part of L.A. because he's, he basically called out Los Angeles saying if you don't draft Lonzo, he's going to wreck your team in the postseason for the here on future. Which he will. Which he would have if he was on any other team. Lonzo Ball is going to be a bust. I that's and just partly not true. partly because Lavar Ball just hyping him up since college. That jump shot's the that's most atrocious the thing I've ever that seen. He needs. No one would be talking about Lonzo if it wasn't for Lavar. Like they'd be talking about him as an NBA player, but they wouldn't be talking about him that they do in the mainstream media if it wasn't for Lavar Ball. I agree. He can run the court. He can pass. He makes opportunities for other players. But the one thing that always holds the NBA player back from going from a decent or an okay to even a quality player is scoring. That dude cannot shoot. And until he agrees to change his jump shot, he's just going to be a mediocre floor general. That's about it. But that would that not be okay if he had Paul George and LeBron James on his team? You have LeVar Ball on record saying, my kids need to shoot more whenever they want, however they want. Right, but Le- but LeVar Ball is not the coach of the Lakers. He thinks he, he is. He, 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 he claims he is. He, wants. he says he could do a better job than Luke Walton. He, he can think what he wants, but until he's the coach of the Lakers, how long he can't it, do anything. How long will Laker brass put up with that until they, don't, they, don't they get rid of him? Or they don't pay any attention to him. What do they care what he thinks? He's just a player's He's dad. like the annoying little sibling that just doesn't go away. Yeah, sure, he makes headlines and he says whatever he wants, but what, what does it matter? They don't care. At the end of the day, they have their player that they want, and they're just going to keep it's playing. It's bad publicity. Bad publicity is still publicity. Bad publicity is good publicity. If you think so, man. 
So that concludes our pilot episode of Calling an Audible here with Zach Greenberg. I'm Greg Johnson. We're going to sign off for the day, and we'll get back with a new episode the following week. Hopefully we can cool our tempers a bit and maybe still be friends after this. We'll see. I think we'll be all right. Have a good one, everybody. Calling an Audible is made possible through the assistance of the University of Minnesota Crookston Media Services Department and executive producer James Pogachnik. The views expressed on Calling an Audible are not necessarily the views of the University of Minnesota Crookston or its affiliates.